What's going on, crew? Welcome to Cross Platform, where esports, entertainment, and business connect. So incredibly excited that you guys have decided to join us on this journey. We are going to be having tons of fun guests, tons of fun interaction, talking about some of the more exciting industries on the planet. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Cross Platform. Let's get into it. We are live. What's up, bro? And how you been? How's New York? It's good, man. I miss you. I miss uh, I miss our time together. We've been uh, seasons are shifting in Atlanta, bro. It's been raining like pretty much nonstop since like the weekend. But man, I gotta come up there. I haven't been to New York since I've been a kid. Um, so now I have a reason to go. Finally, have a reason to visit, man. Reason to visit. So where where are you? Tell me how is Round Hill? Give me the update. I haven't really spoken to you in a while about it all. Well, you're coming. You're coming right to me. You're coming right yeah. to me, kicking it off. I can't. <laughs> Man, Round Hill's good. Um, the guys up here are great. Tim and Will are alive. I'll see. Uh, oh, there's Will. Will's right here. Uh, Will's fantastic. Um, Tim is out in San Francisco. They're great guys. Um, we've got a great uh, great product product and project that we're working on and. Um, it's been a, it's been a great couple of weeks. It's been, uh, it's good to be back in here. As you know, I was here before I came down to Atlanta. That's good, man. That's good for me. Um, halfway through the semester, just had my graduation meeting yesterday. Um, so closing out, getting ready to March in May. Uh, just got to figure out internship, got to finish out these last two courses. Um, from those that, that don't know who I am, I'm actually working on my master's right now in sports administration at Georgia State. Um, so it was pretty cool. Like Herb and I linked up, or actually, number. No, I'll pass it back to you. Wow. You you have the format. Hey, listen, this is this is. I just start talking. Just for everyone to know, you know, like this is typical Ryan and I. Like, we got something to talk about. We're ready to talk about it. But I'll I'll give you the proper intro. I'll actually introduce how we how we met, and then I sure. want to give your intro because I think that your your actual career path has always been inspiring to me. And like to preface, um, what I want to continue to do with these LinkedIn lives is, yeah, I want to bring on executives and people who have had uh, long careers, but I also think the audience that's been cultivated on these LinkedIn live sessions are a lot of young guys looking for uh, just simple tips and tricks for career advice, career growth, how to get jobs in esports, um, overall LinkedIn strategy, and there's, and there's no one on earth, probably outside of myself, who, who does it better than you on LinkedIn. Um, but it was November of last year, and I was at DreamHack for Esports Week. And for everyone uh, watching, I walked into the room, and it's like Esports 101. This is like, this is like my first taste of it. And Ryan is on me, like walks right up and introduces himself. Uh, and like immediately got a vibe, and I was still working for the NFL, and our company was actually trying to sell his former employer a, a Super Bowl suite. So there was something to talk about. And um, so I ended up sitting down and he went to the back of the room. And on my way out, I just talked to three people. I talked to somebody from Riot, another guy from uh, Rise, and then um, another guy from like Esports One or Sports One, whatever that company is. And then on my way out the door, I remember I was like, I got to connect with that, with that guy, Ryan. Like, like he was like on me early and just got a great vibe from him. And I walked back into the room and I said, what's up to you. And, uh, just like I'm leaving, you know, hope we have a chance to connect. And then it's funny. I was looking at our, so this is the first, so this is just to, to state when it was this, I'm going to read the message and then I'm going to back to it. It was November 19th. So for everyone out there who's always interested in LinkedIn messages, Herb, hope you had safe travels back to NY. If possible, let's connect next week after Thanksgiving. It would be good to get your feedback on Esports Week, which you've been working on, but also to discuss opportunities around the Super Bowl. Like, just then, it's just like a genuine message of a guy who wanted to connect and touch base, and, and you know, it's off to the races ever since. And that's how we got together. So I'll pass it back to you now. Why don't you properly introduce yourself? Um, you know, you've got a 443 number. I got a 410 number. Just so throw it back for us and give us a who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate it. It's actually crazy because 
I'm going to reiterate some of the things that you just said around the, our first like meeting and interaction when I get there. Uh, so, man, originally I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, um, but shortly after my family, we relocated uh, to Maryland. So at first we lived in Baltimore County, hence the 443. Um, and then my parents to this date, they live in Howard County up in Columbia, Maryland. Um, but I, I went to college in 2011 until 2015 and I got an undergraduate degree in physical therapy. But like in full transparency, I knew I wasn't going to do physical therapy going into my last semester of college. Um, not by choice. I literally just didn't get accepted to any physical therapy schools. Like that's just the reality of what it was. So I was like, all right. I'm, yeah, I know. A lot of people don't know that. I keep kind of keep things to myself sometimes. Um, so when I didn't get in, it was like a couple of options. I was either going to have to retake a couple of different courses and then reapply and then try and get in the following year or look at different career paths. So for me, physical therapy was just my gateway to get into sports, right? Like I didn't really care how I got there. I just knew my end goal had to be like sports and entertainment related in some capacity. So the last two months of, of the final semester before I graduated, I like legit, bro, like legit ran out of money. Like I had no money for anything. And so what I did was I went on Craigslist and this was, I went to school in Huntsville, Alabama, a super, super small city. Um, so I got on Craigslist and I found this opportunity to sell credit card machines to mom and pop shops, like door to door in between classes. And so credit card machines, this is back when we didn't have chip readers yet. So essentially I was selling the chip readers to like mom and pop shops within Huntsville. So like legit, I would go to class, I would go to my apartment, I would change clothes and I would get in my car and I would hit probably like five to 10 businesses in like a one to two hour period. So after about a month and a half, two months, I closed probably like four or five deals. And each deal I closed, I remember was like 125 or $150 commission which is like more than enough for like a college kid. Like I can get my McDonald's, I can hit Walmart, we're good. So I was like, all right, bet. Um, if I literally just picked this up off of Craigslist, I had no training, I had no resources, no tools, no anything. I was like, I probably could sell if I had like a company behind me, if I had training and things of that nature. So shortly after that, let's just say that this is late April of 2015. I started applying to entry level account executive roles for back home when I got to Maryland. Uh, so I was blessed. I landed a job uh, with this company called iCore Networks and we would sell like telecom solutions like door to door to businesses. So like there, when I tell you I first got into sales, I remember very vividly going to sales training in Tyson's Corner for the first time. And the first day we had to do objection handling or like actually run a mock meeting. And I didn't know what to do. I was actually so frustrated. I literally called my sales manager who I hadn't even met at the time. And I was like in tears of frustration. I was like, bro, I cannot do this. Like I lied to you not, I was like, I literally cannot do this. So like fast forward three on sales training is the worst. It's brutal. It's brutal. Like it's it was the first time I was like openly and publicly humiliated in like a professional setting. In a professional it's all, setting, it's like you know, it's like the first way to get exposed, and like years, <laughs> you're like, this is the worst. Like, why would I ever want to sell? Now, like, legitimately the worst. And so, like, that role was pretty vigorous. So, like, every day we were in the office in the morning, making forty to fifty phone calls, and then every afternoon we were in the field, hitting twenty to twenty-five different doors. Um, so, like, it was a very vigorous schedule, like literally Monday through Friday. And so, for me, like. To this very day, I feel like I worked at that job for about a year and six months. Like that's where that initial like grind got locked into my like my mindset. Like every day I know I have to wake up and I have to do X amount of activity. So six months into working that job in Maryland, I that company was bought out by Vonage Business, which relocated me here to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it was a pretty unique opportunity. At the time, uh, the lady I was the girl I was dating was living here. Um, so that was like, you know, pretty convenient move. And also I had the opportunity to be the first outside sales representative in Atlanta for Vonage. So I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Move to a new city, meet new people, new team, new everything. Let's get to it. Um, it sucked. I'll be real with you. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a good transition at all. Um, so I stayed with Vonage for about another year, which then led me to working at Adapture. Um, so first and foremost, I mean, someone from Adapter could be tuned in right now. I don't know. 
I love you all, my heart. Like literally, bro, like there's not a better work environment I've ever been a part of. Uh, so it was a super small IT consulting company. So it was like a level up from Bonnet. And so like from there, I was able to work directly for the president, uh, Robert Pastor. And like to this day, Robert is still a mentor. Uh, he's actually one of my early believers in Nexus. Like that's how some of the things that are happening currently are happening. Uh, but like he literally took me under his wing for like 24 months and told me the do's and don'ts of not only business, but of life. Uh, he was like one of the only and first bosses that like made us read books. Like we would have to listen to different podcasts. He would even send us different sermons of like different topics. Like dude, it was like the greatest experience ever. Um, but one of the things I started realizing while I was at Adapture, especially as I was growing professionally was, although it was a great company, I wasn't growing in the area where I was passionate. Like tech, tech was awesome. I loved it. I loved the people. But at the end of the day, like my calling was like sports, music and entertainment. Like I could literally feel it living inside of me. So halfway, my first halfway through my first year working at Adapture, I was fortunate to get accepted into the sports administration master's program at Georgia State, which was like my first real attempt of like, you know, here's a shot to get into sports. Right. And like so from that opportunity, like, bro, as you know, from me, like if you put me in an environment and like you give me the tools, like I'll figure it out myself. I'll make my own connections. I'll build my own relationships. Okay. And like that vehicle, whether it be grad school or professional environment, is less important because I take that ownership like for myself. So like when I got into Georgia State program, I started leveraging that. I started going to different meetups. So like when I was going to these meetups, I wasn't just Ryan in IT. I was Ryan, the graduate student in sports administration, trying to do different things. Um, so what ended up happening was I went to NBA Summer League um, lat two years ago, last year in uh, 2018. And that's where I met M. Cole, as you mentioned, Arise earlier. And so me and Cole, we basically like hit it off right off the bat. I've seen him a couple of different times in Atlanta, but I think it's ironic how you can meet people or know of people in your city. You can meet them in a different part of the country and then that relationship is that more meaningful because you know that you're each are there for a specific purpose. So like it changes the narrative of how you actually meet somebody. Right. Yeah. And one thing I will say, like, I'm not the type of person that like, I don't ever give advice. because I feel like I'm not qualified. Like I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to figure it out like everybody else. But one thing I know for a fact, people don't give enough credit to is the random, the randomness of life. Like, I think a lot of times we have a plan in motion. Like I just knew I was going to go to summer league. And I was going to meet as many NBA executives as I could because that's where I wanted to go. Lo and behold, a lot of you not, I met no NBA executives. And the only person I really ended up meeting was M. Cole, which led to all the things that we're getting to later in the story. And so first and foremost, I would just say, like, just go places for whoever's listening, because like you literally have no idea who you're going to meet in any particular environment. And I think it's like when you're passionate and when you're purposeful and intentional, the randomness does the work that you can't plan for. Right. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, me and M. Cole linked up and I was basically with Rise from that August doing like work after work and after school up until this previous August. And so I, what was awesome was like, yo, you and I connected. I remember it like vividly because I remember you hit, we connected on LinkedIn. Um, you were an NFL Super Bowl guy at the time. Um, and then ironically, something else I wanted to point out is that you and I weren't doing this last year. No, this was no, like, like legit. Like we both were outsiders looking in an industry that we were curious about. And then I think I just like, as we, as you hit me up like last week about this, I thought it was dope because I was like, crap, bro, like, bro we couldn't have done this last year. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a testament. Can I, I say like for you, bro, you're way better at LinkedIn at this point than me. Like I, your kind is, is awesome. Like, <laughs> but it's like, I, I literally say that from the perspective of you can change your life in 365 days if you're intentional and purposeful, because I remember you being an observer at eSports week to then helping me plan eSports week for us. Like talking about E3 to going to E3, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, and to go back into it, which is why, I, which is why I was so excited to have you on, because we just like, the way we've come together is so just funny in so many ways. But, you know, we had so much ambition when we first met, we still do, um, just in regards to all things esports. It was new to us. 
we wanted the exposure. We wanted to learn. Um, you know, we were still spelling esports with a capital S. Um, you know, like, don't get me started. I still see it. <laughs> I saw it yesterday. You know, it was uh, you know it was something that that we we just we we knew that we could provide value to in, in a very authentic way, um, just from our past experiences in, in entertainment, and music, and sports, um, and, and just a, a place where we really came together. But but one thing. One thing that I, I want to now recap, so you just told this really, really fantastic story. And one thing that I've really learned to respect in this life from you is why don't you tell the crowd how old you are? Six. Say it again? 26. You know what's crazy? It's funny you say that. Because when I first met you, bro, I thought you were in your 30s. And then we, we were like the same age. I was like, old man hurt. But like, you yeah. know, I was yeah. I first met you and like and like I was hearing your story and I'm like man this guy's like seasoned like he's got this crazy resume all this stuff like you know you 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 are the epitome of hustle and grind going from I didn't work here you know the way you did in college and quite frankly like I turned it on probably one two maybe three years ago right when I right when I graduated so um, you've been at this for a very long time and the amount of hustle that you've been doing is pretty incredible and then to go back to what you said about esports week how. My first exposure to esports was esports even for the guys watching. It's a it was a comprehensive week in sports throughout Atlanta with all the innovation and, and esports that were happening um, in the city, and that's where I first met Ryan. To the point where a couple months later, I had joined the Access Replay team after you and I worked on worked on a project together at 404 Esports, and then went to Access Replay where we partnered with Rise Ventures to do Esports Week Dallas and. I mean, things just went so quickly and so uniformly for us, and it's just funny how how our you know lives came together when really we met. I mean, less less than a year ago. Yeah, literally. yeah, yeah. It's literally less than a year ago. It would be like the year would be November fifteenth. Technically, would be like that first day of DreamHack. Sure. But I want to I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question because there I think there's something unique about you that I'm jealous of um, that I think. That you that I remember you telling me um, because you read a lot of books, right? And I can barely read, but you, I, I think you, I believe our memory right there was a moment in your life where you needed to go back and start working on your inner self, and yeah. you turned to books. And I think that the way that you know the things that you read and the and the things that you know, and I don't and you can be comfortable talking about that moment deeply or whatever, but like you read a lot of very interesting books and I said a lot about who you are. So I guess my question to you is how have books and the things that you've read or, and I guess you've got a top three list um, of things that people should read if they're looking to kind of look inside and look deeper. What, uh, what do you recommend? Well, like literally right now, check this out. I just got this one. I'm adding it to my like top four list. It's called talking to strangers, things you should know about the people you don't know. Um, because I was like, I think that's real relevant, especially we're talking about like business development and sales and right. like trying to present. But like for me, bro, when I came to Georgia, it was like a real big culture shock. Because again, ironically, the young lady I was referring to, we didn't make it like we didn't stay together much longer after I moved here. So like a lot of my plans like had shifted. Right. Um, the job I said, oh, it was like great opportunity. It didn't go well. So like things were, I would say, on a downward spiral. And I just felt weaker than I had felt internally in my past. So like for me, I checked out books like The 48 Laws of Power, I would say probably saved my life. I would say The Alchemist changed my life and Outliers view, like changed how I view different people within life. Mm -hmm. So like 48 Laws of Power, I think it is necessary for everybody because um, it just breaks down different segments of how you should move and shake within different like particular circumstances. And I lied to you not, I just told my girlfriend this, like two days ago, um, because I got her reading it now, where it's like talking more about it, is that if I didn't read that book, I can literally count maybe four specific times, I would have done something differently that would have ended in a very, very bad result had I not known certain things I've known, like from that book. So I can confidently say that. But The Alchemist is probably like my, my favorite, as far as like just a book about a boy who's on a journey to find his life's purpose, and he meets these random individuals along his way that basically align and help him get to where he needs to go. Yeah. It's like, as I was reading that book, I was actually- Which is so good. 
good. You know, point for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, point for you. So like, you read better than you think, man. Um, and so I'm just like, those are like my top three. But I will say this, like, it's funny because my dad is a huge academic, like PhD, like works in universities, was like always about like do your homework. I think it was him telling me to do my homework and read is like what made me never want to do those things. And so like in retrospect, I wish I did life a lot differently. Um, but I could say when I'm up until I moved to Georgia, front to back, I probably read two novels my entire life. Like it was always like Cliff Notes kind of thing. And then between 2016 and 2019, I'm up to like 29 or 30. Um, so I'm just like, it's You're crazy. Yeah, so like every morning I set aside 30 to 45 minutes just to like read. Like I don't, it doesn't matter. Like I'll just wake up and I'll just do it. Well, we wake up different ways, right? We, we spent the week in Dallas together and I literally come knock on your door and <laughs> reading and I was probably scrolling through Instagram, but I was ready to go work out. And, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, yo, her made me feel like a little kid in the gym. I was actually, I was really upset. We went, we had to work on different sides. I remember he was at one side, and I was on the other side. <laughs> That's not a lie. Um, well, okay, so, and I just think that the way that you read and the things that you've read, like you know, I've read like right now, uh, like I've read uh, a lot of business books from entrepreneurs, and and a lot of, I mean, I should, I shouldn't say read, I mean. Some I, I'll read when I need to mark things up. Most of them I listen to. And then I've been, been big in podcasting, mostly from uh, entrepreneurs and business leaders. Um, but the stuff that you read is really about the person that you are and the person that you can be and, and kind of more about inner self. So I just always found that interesting about you. But moving into the person that you are and the passions that you have, I, I happen to know for a fact that music is passion number one. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Right, bro, because I have three number ones, like legit. Like I got music, I got basketball, and I got video games. So like, it's hard to separate those those things. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna throw you a softball then, because okay. I want because I want to you to talk about your position in music right now. I, I mean, when I tell you guys who are watching that Ryan knows everybody in Atlanta, it's crazy. From someone from you know level executives to artists to athletes. I mean, Ryan knows absolutely everyone. And so talk about, um, I guess, your passion for music. And since we do have probably a little bit heavier on the gaming side of a, of a following here, um, talk about how your passion for music has now transferred into, or I guess played into sports and also now gaming, which I know is, is, you know, is, is rising on your list of, of number ones. Like for me, my whole life, I'll say this is like, and this is kind of like summates everything you just said, right? I've always been in, I feel like in a unique position where growing up, uh, I was in a situation where I was always uh, too white to really hang around black kids and usually too black to hang around white kids. So like where I found my passion and my comfort was in headphones. Like I've loved when artists would talk to me and tell their stories, whether it directly or indirectly related to me, like music has always been a vessel that's spoken through me. And so for me, I would listen to music as I warmed up for basketball games on the way to basketball practice. And then at the end of the day, once basketball was done, I would play video games as like my nightcap, if that makes sense. And I'm listening to music throughout the whole time. So like for me, music is the fuel that drives both video games and basketball because it's very integral in the boat. So like as kind of Herb is alluding to, about a year ago, I started a company called Nexus Entertainment and Sports. And the sole purpose of that was like literally to interconnect music, entertainment, um, and sports together. So specifically where esports ties into it is I see that there is a huge opportunity. And I think the greatest example, at least my greatest example is Fortnite, right? Fortnite did a really, really good job of making a free to play game that's accessible on every console. Um, and you can play amongst your friends, no matter what device you have. My personal opinion is where Fortnite took off is when they added in the elements of dancing. Um, and then you could find yourself going to a sporting event and you would see kids doing these different dances, which I think is really, really funny how like when you go to like a, a basketball game or a baseball game, they say like the Fortnite dance, right? Yeah. But in actuality, that's a hip hop dance. Yeah. And so then when I started looking at the different elements of gaming or the different elements of these live events that would tie in, whether it be hip hop or EDM or whatever the case may be, Music is kind of like, in my opinion, what fueled success of that that game in a very, very sure. micro way. 
right? Mm -hmm. So then I started asking myself a question, okay, games like NBA 2K, games like Madden, games like Call of Duty, um, even augmented sound when you're talking about like cityscapes, it's becoming more prevalent because we're getting to a state in our country where we're creating these immersive environments. So for me, it's working with an athlete and pairing him with a video game design company, or you work with an artist and you plug him into a music show. Like it really doesn't matter, but like for me, I'm all about sitting in the intersection of entertainment, music, and sports. And um, I'm curious because I think that's a really good point. I think that like with Fort, with, with the way Fortnite is advanced, like I'll never forget, I was still working for the league and we were at the Ravens Falcons games last year. And my dad was sitting in the seats and my dad's looking up at the Jumbotron. He's like, what are all these kids doing? Like, why are they all doing the same thing? Is that like the Falcons dance? It's like, no, man, like that. It like, that's like the Fortnite dance, but it, you know, it, it, it comes from, uh, who actually, st who started it? The, the dance? Who, who was uh, it? I, don't, I don't know who the first one was. I want to say it could have been the backpack kid with like the. Oh, right. right. Anyway, but, so. Okay, so Fortnite's done a really good job of integrating with music and hip hop. So, but there's a lot of games out there who, you know, they've got a, you know an uphill battle to try and get to Fortnite. You've got Call of Duty um, launching. What is it tomorrow or the next day? Friday, the 25th. What are ways that you think that the hip hop industry, music industry, can integrate with a game like Call of Duty to try and elevate it on on that particular particular level, level if you know, if any at all? Well, what I'm saying it's already been done because what a lot of people forget about, if you take the record label Def Jam, right? Like right. a couple years ago, Def Jam had four, three or four video games, Def Jam Vendetta, which will technically be an FGC, a fighting game community. And so they would literally take the rappers from Def Jam, put them in the video game, and then you have like the Tekken version of rap, right? So even like talking to them, uh, labels like Def Jam, Columbia Records, like Warner, Sony, they're saying, okay, like, look, we have all these artists on our rosters that are gamers, they're young, they like engaging things. How do we now take their likeness, take their following and pair it within the world of esports and uh, gaming? So like, I think a great example is if you look at DreamHack Atlanta, right? right. I know we've talked about it a couple of different times, but when you look at DreamHack, DreamHack usually always has a concert series, whether it be EDM or rock, it, but in Atlanta is always like EDM and hip hop. So I think it simply comes down to strategically aligning these like tournaments and events with well-known influencers and artists in that local market that would bring out the crowd that doesn't know about DreamHack, but they know about TI or they know about 2 Chains. Um, so a lot of it, I think it comes down to leveraging likeness uh, because again, for lack of better words, bro, like hip hop makes things cool. Like um, ironically enough, this as a, like a random side story, um, early, early in the 90s, one of my mentors through my fraternity, um, they have a business that helps marketers market better. But in the early 90s, he was on the Sprite brand team that did the first hip hop. So basically, he created the Obey Your Thirst campaign for Sprite. And this is like years ago. And he's telling me that the way that they got to that Obey Your Thirst, which is still relevant in 2019, was they were the first company to use rappers in a brand and then they created the obey your thirst in a freestyle, right? Right. So when I look at that, um, and this is a kind of a controversial point that you kind of just brought to my mind. I was at a, there's, there's something called brand innovators, which basically is like your top innovation marketers. They come together, they do a, a conference and the brand director for vitamin water um, under Coca-Cola, an African-American gentleman, he asked a question to the audience. And the specific question was, how can you expect companies to move at the speed of culture, right? And I was like, sheesh, like I've never heard that question ever. And I didn't blur anything out loud, but I think the ultimate answer to something like that is, you can move at the speed of culture when you have more people of culture in decision-making positions, mm -hmm. right? So like, in my opinion, Fortnite just like tipped the iceberg, right? right. I, I think there's gonna be so many more game, game creators, live events centered around this element of creativity and like hip hop and R&B. And so for me, I wanna be one of those people in Atlanta that's kind of helped push that culture forward and right. kind of really help diversify. Because I mean, esports and gaming is, is perfect. It's a great industry, it's growing. Um, one element on the other side of the coin that I'm very passionate about is the diversity element of it. Right. When you look at the top leagues, the top teams and a lot of different other elements, 
um, there are some things that need to be addressed and that's another passion of mine as well. Sure. So going into, and by the way, if you guys are watching and you have questions, we're going to get any questions after we do uh, one more thought. Um, so just start throwing them in there about Ryan's career and uh, music or his overall hustle and, and LinkedIn strategies. He's got plenty of answers for you. Um, but I want, I know we talked about it a little bit last week with Christy St. Martin, but I want to ask you about, you remember, you know what happened with Metarama? No, just give me a high level. I feel like it was, the, it was the music event that they tried to do with Marshmallow and Ninja and, and a bunch of our huge artists and streamers all out in Vegas. And it was, like, it was like a Coachella for gaming in a way. And it was like I've said before, it was before it's time. It was it, too expensive. And, you know, your average demo for that type of thing is probably a little younger and uh -huh. doesn't have, you know, the, the cash to spend on a trip to Vegas. Um, but that being said, I think it was a really interesting integration. Like we just saw at Imagine Fest, um, you know, they had a gaming lounge back there. Shaq was there. Um, you know, they, they did some great work. Um, do you think that, and then we just saw Lollapalooza, they had Ninja out there and he had his own like content creation house. Do you think as time goes on, how will live events and gaming in uh, live music events and gaming integrate? I don't know, bro. To be honest, like I think about that the other day. Um, and this is, I'll say it before I answer your question, it's like a, a caveat. And I think one thing I've noticed as a trend within gaming and esports is that, and this is not specific to like you or I, but just like overarching themes, is that gaming and, and esports aligns with every other industry. Sure. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, I, but, and I think in making that assumption, there's a lot of things that are overlooked. Just like you stated, right? Just because you do a huge gaming and music event and you do it in Vegas, people may not come because of costs. And so there's, a, I think there's a lot of missing elements. But as far as like, bro, I think it could go really far because even if you look at, for example, like Dota or League World Championships, right? Talking about 80,000, 90,000 people in person. I mean, I can't think of a concert outside of like a festival that does numbers of that nature. Sure. So I, I think it's just being very strategic because the audiences are already curated. The audiences are already being gathered. I think it's just now, how do you center artists that are large enough, but diverse, that have diverse enough demographics of their listeners sure. that you can make the event successful? Because I think if you do an event that's massive, you get someone like the Imagine Dragons that's already in the gaming. You get someone like a Drake who is global already in the gaming. You get someone like a Travis Scott, and then you maybe get one more other like rock or EDM artist. I think it would be successful because those people transcend just like one category. Right. Like if you go to a, a Drake, Travis Scott, Imagine Dragons concert, you're going to see representation from everywhere. And I think to answer your question, at least my answer to it is the inclusivity and, di and diversity has to be at an all time high. Sure. In order to achieve some of the things that we're talking about. I tell you what I think would be really cool is just because, and uh, mainly because I just watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody the other day. Uh, I haven't seen it. I want to watch it so bad. You've seen it. I, I haven't seen it. It's on HBO. I just never clicked on it. I think it would be like there's a there's a time and a place for these events. Metarama will exist at some point in time. The demographic's going to get older. Everyone's gonna start making more money in their careers, and they're and they're just these events will start to happen. I wholeheartedly believe that. But the way to kick it off is if you bring the new age live aid back, and you bring the biggest the biggest artists and streamers together who also have the gaming demographic, and you put them up on stage, and you do it for charity, and you do it in a philanthropic way, and you show the world that these events not only can continue to exist. But we're also going to kick them off in 2019, 2020, 2021 for, and, and do some good with it. And I mean, it would be, and then you stream it all over the world. I think it would be super, super cool. Um, as a side note, we'll talk about it more offline. Our nonprofit just got, is up and running. So like now we have a nonprofit to do these things like under. Another, um, another notch on the Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Like we'll talk about that one, but I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think, when you add the good element, it definitely changes the narrative a lot of the time. 
Um, yeah. As a random side note, bro, like what you just said about this massive event, I literally just reached out to like the Georgia World Congress Center like yesterday because I just want to have a meeting with them to see what would it take to do the world's largest music event using each concourse as a different genre and one concourse be like a massive. Dude. I mean, I, I don't know how you will pull it off. Like, I just want to talk to them. You do it, ladies and gentlemen. You think outrageously large. Like sometimes I, I get mad at myself because I don't think big enough and I should think bigger, but like, who's coming up with that? Only Ryan Johnson. Like literally one one concourse is Coachella, one is Rolling Loud, one, and you just do everything in that one environment, like 200,000, 300,000 people, bro, I don't know. I want to do it though. I just thought about it like the other day. Well, if it ever happens, now everyone knows where they heard it first. All right, um, well, I'm gonna chime in with some people. Uh, who have said hello. Christopher McIntosh says hello and good morning. Uh, always appreciate you chiming in. Christopher, Juan, my, have you met Juan yet, Ryan? Uh, I have not. You need to. Ryan and Juan, you guys need to connect. You guys would have a great conversation. He's got a great, he, he does great content. I was on his podcast not too long ago. Um, he was just in Atlanta, great dude. Mike Wagner, great young hustler. Uh, John, hello, good morning. Hey, Devin. How are you? Um, Christy, morning, guys. You shouldn't have separated any of those passions, Ryan. I love it. Um, uh, Will Huff, I think producers should, uh, I think producers could host Twitch channels and play music they made as top players go through games, could introduce new songs to gamers. That actually, guys are doing that, right? I mean, guys are literally, I talked to a guy at, um, I think it was MomoCon, who literally, has, does a four-hour stream where he does a where he produces his own song start to finish for four hours, and he does like twelve episodes across three months. And the next thing you know, he releases an album. I, I've seen that starting to happen. You got any thoughts on that? And I, I mean, I think it should happen more often because I was even um, looking. So there. Oh, you're talking about my my music. That's exactly who you're talking about. This yeah, streaming music on Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I say that, so My My Music, for those who don't know, is an independent streaming service for hip hop and rap artists. So My My Music and Twitch officially did their partnership. And so now, I mean, they already have like just chatting uh, for an example, but um, it's a whole channel dedicated to like new artists just performing music in their room. So I, I, I think that that would be awesome, right? If you could sit in your room for five, six hours, produce a soundtrack as you're playing a game, and then send it to the publisher, you should easily get like producer credits or comp uh, composer credits for that. That would be amazing. But I think this is this is one thing that we're all trying to do, right? Even in financial services at Roundhill, like where everyone's trying to figure out a way to integrate with Twitch and streaming. Bernie Sanders has done it. Donald Trump has now done it. Um, you know, the, the, I know finally some of these big, larger banks are knocking on Twitch's door trying to do financial literacy. Uh, people are cooking. So like there's so much insinuation with gaming and Twitch, but Twitch is still just a streaming platform, right? And while it's built on gaming, um, you know, there's going to be so like Twitch is so supportive of other industries coming in and taking part. I think the music integration on Twitch where you're literally like, I know this is something we, I wanted to do in my, in my prior role where, um, you know, teaching guys in a live stream how to use a, a DJ board, literally like, you know, just educating an app where you just have the camera on the yeah. board. And I think that stuff is, is, is impactful. Um, all right. Who yeah, now that and then. Uh, What's up, Devin? What's up? Will says I'm smart. Thanks, Will. I appreciate that. Um, and then, yeah, Will, I work with a lot of independent artists and producers, and I've been given a lot of tips like this to get into these channels, like host tournaments and have DJs play the music they want uh, to the game for the gamers to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, those are, those that we, we definitely chat about that. Um, let's see, that's a long question from, from Christy. Branding to the speed of culture, to be frank, and let's focus on FGC, for example, we have a bunch of old white dudes at the top of these blue chip companies overseeing marketing and they have no idea. Uh, how to market the, to this niche and totally diverse audience and there's definitely not enough voices in these companies to push change fast enough. What can we do to get kids excited about breaking into fields in vertical spaces or brand marketing that can push this change faster? 
That's a great her answer. Her answer is our nonprofit. So like literally the nonprofit we created is to address that question is like provide opportunities to those who are opportunityless, mm-hmm. uh, give them exposure to like, for an example, like rise is going to be very integral in this, right? Taking kids that live literally 10 minutes from the stadium that, so let me take a step back on the weekends. I volunteer a lot, bro. Like I, right. I read, uh, you, you connect with Christy because Christy is built on this stuff, by the way. She's so like, I read and we mentor a lot of young kids in the west side of Atlanta. And like one thing that like literally breaks my heart, bro, like you you wouldn't believe a kid that lives 10 minutes from the stadium will say things like, I could never imagine what it's like to go. I don't think I would ever be able to see, even though they could physically see it. You know, like that, that like blows my mind. Sure. So then when I think of someone like M. Cole and Rise Ventures, I'm like, all we really need is provide access to these kids. Like literally taking a kid, showing him two hours inside of the suite in Mercedes-Benz Stadium will change his life. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and so our nonprofit is literally aimed to provide opportunities and financial resources to schools on the west side of Atlanta. Because again, bro, like I know you've been gone in Atlanta for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so now, but like, let me just kind of fill you in what's going on. So APS is moving forward with high school esports, and they already have, as you know, like Gwinnett County is doing it, but now Atlanta Public Schools is. So Atlanta is divided into two. Let's just call it fortunate and less fortunate, for lack of better words. So fortunate schools can afford uh, PCs, they can afford a community coach, they can afford the play VS fee. Less fortunate schools can't. So then when you look at it, is how do you have a high school sanctioned league where half of the kids can compete and half can't? And the only thing limiting people is access and financial financial means. Like for me, that's unacceptable because I'm like, when you look at the pipeline or the future of an industry, how could there be diversity when it's not even diverse starting in middle school? Like what is that pipeline from middle school to high school to, to collegiate to pro if it's not already set up now? Right. So the way esports, the landscape solely, I'm only speaking for Atlanta because I don't know many other cities, is already skewed for the kids that can come, become pro versus who can't. And we're not only even talking about players, we're talking about kids that can create video games, kids that can test video games. It's very lopsided. So to answer her question, like we're building a curriculum and a program that can kind of address that and give access, opportunity, and visibility to kids who otherwise would never get it. It really is pretty impactful what you're doing. And did you build that out within Nexus? Yeah, so like, our it's funny. So our nonprofit is called- Nexus is now pretty much, right? Yeah, so like now under Nexus, we have a label and a nonprofit and we're gonna like keep expanding these different things. Um, but our nonprofit is called Gaming Community. Don't look it up, websites and handles are still gonna be being created. This is all still brand new people. Um, it'll be there soon, but what we did is we swapped out the O in community for an X. And the reason for that is because when you look at every console, an X is present. We look at a keyboard, X is present. So the idea behind community is inclusivity and like everybody can play. Wow. Because that's the purpose of why we built it. And like, we're gonna go, I mean, we're already working with the schools, we're working with the city to like roll this programming out, hopefully by fall. Well, hopefully January, but realistically by fall of 2020. Christy, this is really just for you because uh, you and Ryan would have such an awesome conversation. Um, so I want to, and I want to, I want to ask Devin's question because I'm really actually curious the answer because of so you're and for the for people watching, you've just stepped into your role with Rebel Marketing, but you still have uh, you still have Nexus and you still have your hand in probably so many different things. Uh, Devin's question. What's the hardest part of entrepreneurship? How do you manage a side hustle and a full-time gig? Are you transparent with your day job about your side hustle and the things that fuel your fire? So to answer your que- the middle question first, yes, Revel is aware of everything I'm doing. First and foremost, because I post, right? Like I share everything on social. And that was one of the things I actually shared and why I like the CEO, Steve, so much. I was like, hey, Steve, just being fully transparent. I like being fully transparent this is what I'm doing on the side. This is what I'm passionate about. Um, so basically I was like, Hey, like, not like, Hey, if I can't do it, I'm gonna leave. But I was like, I just hope that you're accepting of this as well, because this is something I'm going to do. Like I want to, I want to do this part of it. Um, 
But to answer her other don't, question, don't, don't make me hide it from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't like just don't make me hide this. Basically, um, this is the first job with Revel I've had that I, I I want to wake up and do every day. Does that make sense? Because like at the end of the day, is esports and gaming like is right. awesome. And then my role within that is sponsorships and business development partnerships. So as exciting as exciting as the world is about gaming, I basically get to be the one to help educate people on why they should get into the space. Right. So like for the first time, I don't feel like I'm selling as much as I am explaining. Right. And then I feel like the excitement of maybe their their kids are gamers or they see that the young kid won three million dollars, like that does the selling. I just have to explain why it makes sense. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's a unique slot you're in. I love, and I'm a huge Steve fan, um, and I love what they're doing at Rebel, and I love the team that he's put together. When that, I remember when Jennifer Erdman reached out, I was like, "Do you know Ryan Johnson?" I was like, you "Bet, you bet your butt, I do." I uh, I love Ryan. Um, so I'm thrilled that you're in that role, and it's you know it's interesting. Everyone's willing to take have the conversation right now, right? Like it's such a talk about industry that everyone will at least take the call, and it's not selling; it's explaining. It's like this is why. You should be a part of this, and if you're not interested, then I, I I can't spend a ton of time trying to convince you because there's plenty of people that are. So, um, I, that uh, Devin, I hope that answered your question. Well, I, I left that one. The, the her first question was, "How do you wake up every day as an entrepreneur?" Um, I would say some days are easier than others, right? Because I mean, like just being transparent, uh, some days are much much easier. But for me, it's just knowing. That like I've kind of gotten past the like, oh, I want to do this because I want to be rich. Oh, I want to do this because I want to go here. Like for me, what's very important is like I just want to have impact. And like every day I also know that kids aren't having access to what some other kids are. And I'm like, that gets me up now. Like solely. I've always been about like, I just want justice. Like I just want fairness. Like, bro, it just seems, I don't know. One thing you and I are both driven by is about what gets you out of bed in the morning. And uh, like I, I told you about, I was back in the league. It was tough to get out of bed. Now that I've, I've moved into my new stuff, I, it's uh, I mean, I'm out. I'm out every day. Where there's, there's, I, I know for a fact I can text, I can text you at five thirty to six a.m. and I'm, and I'm gonna get a response. <laughs> oh, that's facts. And like one thing about Revel, here's like the one like middle ground is that Revel's in Denver, so like we don't have an office. So like I stay in this twelve by twelve room like all day every day, and like I'll go out for like the gym and stuff. But like working from home is something that's new to me because you know I'm like I like talking to people, but like for the first time ever is like I don't really talk to as many people as I'm used to talking to. <laughs> and then when your friends move to New York without much heads up, it makes things a little that's bit more. True, you know, that was that was a shot. I felt that. I felt that. Yo, like even when I went to Access Replay that day, I wasn't supposed to go, and that was your last day. Like you didn't give your boy a heads up. So I'm like, God, leave. <laughs> things move fast, man. You know that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm gonna see you in a couple of weeks. No. Um, all right, a couple more hellos, and then I'm gonna do our, our speed round here. Um, Jeremy Poor saying what's up, telling us great job. Jeremy, you're the man. Um, let's see, Jeremy Hudson saying hello, keep up the great work. Jeremy Poor, it's a lot of explaining. It's definitely some slow conversations when talking about esports. Um, selling versus explaining is actually a huge differentiation. And I noticed the more passionate you are and the more knowledge you have about something, the more it feels like an easy conversation explanation. It's a great point. You know what? If you're passionate about it and you understand it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. You, re you ready? You ready for these? Your room seems cool. Questions? All right. So since our, our first, really our first meeting together, What's your, because of, of what you did that day, do you have a favorite, a favorite craft beer yet? I don't even know what they are. Like, I can't, I can't even tell you. Yo, I'm blue moon to the day I die, bro. Literally, we went to, I forget, where, where did we go? Taco Mac, Taco Mac. And he's like trying, he's like explaining how he's trying to get involved in craft beers. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I'm blue moon in Long Island till I die. I'm good. Like, that's fun. I'm good. Long Island, dude. You're something else. All right, this is gonna be brutal. Favorite song of all time? Uh, Timberland, One Republic, Apologize, Fire. Wow, nice. Fire. 
All right. What is the perfect Super Bowl halftime show? Uh, was it this past one? Who no, 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 you get to pick. Like, it's your Super Bowl halftime show. You're oh, it's my Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes or no? Did Travis Scott perform this past year? Yeah, he just, yeah, he did. No, that was perfect for me. Like, that was, like, legit because he flew in from outer space, like, Astroworld and landed in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was sick. It was sick. Yeah, that was, dude, I can't lie. That was my, that was fire. Like, it Travis Scott is my ideal halftime performer for anything. Um, stuck on an island for the rest of your life. You got one video game to play. What is it? Halo what? Three. Halo Three. That's easy. Oh, dream Halo. job. Uh, dream job. Does it have to be title? No. Um, that is a tough one, man. Dream job. I would love to be an NBA player. That is no, that's like a dream job, bro. Like oh. playing in the NBA, bro. Like, come on. I don't know, bro. That's hard. I've seen some of your video. I've seen some of your videos and your your snaps and your uh, your Instagrams. I don't think you have the jumper for it. Boy, bro. Like all that stuff, like down the drain. <laughs> it's all it's all gone. All right, tell tell the crew here your your top three books that you recommend. Uh, I think you mentioned two of them, but your your top three list. Before we, we sign off here. One would be the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Number two would be Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And then honestly, I'll put number three will be the Laws of Human Nature, also by Robert Greene. I knew you. Is that the gigantic one you were reading on the way to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whips out like like four stack Harry Potter book. Like oh, God. Yo, human oh, nature. It'll help. It'll help. Well, your back, your backpack was as big as a book. It's like, oh, you just have a book in there. Help me. Um, great. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and it's always great catching up with you. Uh, quite honestly, it was overdue anyway, but I'm glad we were able to do it here. If people want to find you, um, I know you've got social handles all over the place, but where can people uh, connect with you, reach out, and touch base? I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, so if you're on here, clearly just like connect, and I'll connect back with you. In the second place, I spend most of my time is Instagram. So my personal Instagram is Ryan ran it up, like a whole little sentence there, like Ryan ran it up. And then um, our company's Instagram page is Nexus Entertainment and Sports, all one word. Nexus. Yes, sir. Well, man, I appreciate it, bro. This is cool. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah. I'll see you November. 14th, 15th. Are you coming for the summit or just DreamHack? Uh, I haven't decided yet. I'm actually going to Nashville first and then I'm coming over. All right. You're the man, brother. I'll talk to you soon, all right? See ya. Yes, sir.